Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at various locations around the greater New York City area. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news excuse, excuse me, I'm Calvin Reed, contributing editor for Publishers Weekly. Uh, but I'm also still PW, uh, the editor of PW Comics World and editor of the Fanatic, PW's twice a month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor in chief of the beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can find us on Twitter at, at PW Comics World, but hopefully other social media platforms at at PW Comics World soon. We should definitely update that. Yes. <laughs> and I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher. And on uh, Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. And also don't forget, if you like this podcast, please leave us a rating or some comment or some kind of feedback because we love to hear from our listeners. That's right. Call us on the Internet. Anyway, <laughs> this week on More to Come, the U.S. Book Show Report. That's right. We'll take you back to that, to that, all the events of the day. Image, ankles, um, a diamond. <laughs> Very sorry about that. Image Ankles Diamond. 10-speed graphic launches at PRH. Changes in the publishing world. Manga piracy and cloud fare. All right, the U.S. book show. Um, PW's effort to step into the breach of, uh, of a, of a national, uh, um, the ending of a national book fair for the American book publishing industry and the U.S. book show is our answer. We had the standalone comics day. We had uh, just, uh, I mean, really, the comics day alone was great. But, of course, this is an event that lasted from the 22nd to the 25th across three or four days. Um, and I, I, I think PW does a pretty good job of putting on a convention that people seem to want a convention. They just don't seem to want to pay for one. I'm not right. sure. Right. Well, everybody <laughs> wants to go and um, so this was the first time doing it in person. This has been an online only event for the last two years. Yes. The first one was held in 21. I mean, I think we thought it was, a, you know, I think it was a big pep, pep, pepper-upper at that point. You know, just uh, just being on this kind of virtual environment at that point of the pandemic was, you know, and seeing other book people and hearing book news was very exciting. Um, last year uh, expanded a bit and um you know, definitely this year definitely called for an online, for an in-person. It was a hybrid event, but in-person. So the in-person portion consisted of two days of panels and meetups, yes. uh, held on the NYU campus. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I thought it was smashing, but you know, I love to do things in person and meet up. Well, I, it, well, the reason that there's a U.S. book show and there's a hybrid U.S. book show is for that same reason. I mean, uh, as many problems as people have and uh, big New York City publishing has perhaps with showing at the Javits Center, um, that doesn't take away from the fact that everyone seems to believe that there needs to be an international U.S. based industry gathering. And, yeah. um, and I'm, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the irony is that, um, you know, the Frankfurt Book Show 
came back strong, and that's huge. Uh, the London Book Fair came back strong, and that is huge. And I believe the Bologna Book Fair, which is for children's books, also came back strong. So like, these are like the three big international yes. book fairs that yes. are huge. They're huge yes. events. Hundreds they are. Thousand and people. They're, yes. And they go on for days, and, and yes. they're supported, and people go. But uh, like with the, you know, there there's a, cu- a couple of articles and PW, I believe Ed, Ed, no, what's yeah. Ed's last Ed name? Nowaka, yeah. Ed Nowaka, yeah. Ed international. Yeah, so he wrote a couple of pieces just about um, why we need this book show. And um, I believe there, w- there was one where they asked people in publishing and, you yes, know, they get the major houses and they're like, you know, do you like, oh, and like, we love the idea, but, you know, uh, we don't want to go to Javits. Yeah, yeah you know, that's kind of it, you know, so. I mean, they, I don't know the final numbers. Uh, there was obviously a much bigger audience online, several thousand people. Uh, but the, um, the in-person event at NYU, uh, it went off really well. In particular, uh, the days that I was up there, which was basically, uh, the standalone graphic novel day. Now that's, this is the first time they've done something like that. Uh, and they had an excellent slate of panels. Keynote speakers, Heidi, of course, you uh, had the closing keynote for the standalone day with Jeff Smith and, um, and Tilly Walden. Um, uh, a great keynotes by Roz Chas. Chuck D and Flavor Flav were there. We can talk about that as well. Uh, so comics continue to um, attract an audience. Uh, and some excitement around in the, in the book world. Yeah. And I just, you know, big, big shout out to our colleague, Meg Lemke. Yeah. Uh, she, she put together the graphic novel programming and, you know, props to Publishers Weekly, props to, uh, you know, the whole team of George Slowick, so, the owner and, yes, uh, Krista, Kevin Berman, the publisher. Uh, Krista Krista, yes. Absolutely. Joe Murray, the ad sales, cause they put together this whole yes. day for graphic novels. And I think that was a big commitment for them. And it was really excellent. But Meg did a fantastic yeah, job. You know, yeah. it was uh, kicked off with Emily Flake talking to Roz Chast. And, you know, as you said, Chuck D <clears throat> did a panel. There was like a big Calvin. book. Pan- yes. You were doing something that's making a lot of noise. Okay. Yeah, you were riffling through paper. And right. it was quite noisy. So Sorry about that. Hands in lap. Sorry about that. Um, or uh, hit mute. Yeah. You can hit mute. Okay. Yeah. But, um... And, you know, like James Tunyon, um, uh, Jillian Tamaki was there talking about, uh, you know, her upcoming book. Um, you, you, you just on and on. I mean, it was, it was, it was all choice. I and, mean, you know, if you register and pay for, you know, you don't have to pay for a ticket, but you can still see all the programming online, which I think is awesome. And, but, you know, to me, and it was great. I, I'm, I'm, you know, so still after three years. Uh, after the world shut down, I, I'm not so jaded that I don't enjoy a panel where people talk about books. And also, they were short; they were half an hour, which is yeah. Great. They, you know, yes, the, the program was very crisp in how they they scheduled crisp. because yes, you really didn't. And 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 like I said, I don't know. There, there were I guess several hundred people in the audience there at mm-hmm. uh, the biggest parts of the day. Um, uh, in particular, uh, the the Chuck D appearance uh, from Public Enemy. I mean, he was in conversation with the New Yorker writer. Uh, Khalifa Sena. And yeah. he was really interesting, very lively. I mean, no surprise. Uh, he's obviously an iconoclastic, you know, rapper and musical figure. 
and, you know, he talked about the importance of New York uh, um, and the comics community and its reporting as an inspirational base for the rappers of his generation. So uh, he had some really interesting. And then, of course, he's done these uh, graphic journals uh, very quickly. Chuck D actually went to Adelphi University for graphic design. Uh, he's worked as a designer. He designed the Public Enemy uh, logo. So he's kept he kept a diary, basically a graphic journal over the pandemic. And it's a fascinating and kind of raw, in some ways, just like his music, raw and powerful. Look through these drawings that he's done at how he and the country kind of moved through three years of, of pandemic. And they're coming out from his own new imprint at Akashic's Books uh, called Enemy Books. So yeah. uh, he was lively. Uh, and of course, Flavor Fave showed up. Yeah, to, which do his hype every, man role. It was great. It was so exciting. And you know, yeah. the next day, I didn't go back the next day because I was so wiped out from from just one day. But um, I know um, Carrie Underwood was. I mean, not Carrie. I, I forget. Yeah, uh, Sarah Jessica. Parker yeah, was there. Sarah Jessica Parker. So, yeah. They're, they're uh, a little I, different, other than just being. Well, yeah. I, I was going to say Carrie, but I forgot her last name <laughs> on Sex and the City. And, um, also, uh, uh, Michael, uh, Keegan, K, Michael Keegan K was there. So, you know, yes. it had, yes. you want to, like, the book show is about, um, you know, stars power and, you know, top, yes. top authors are there also. And you have to have that. I mean, that's part of why people like going to book shows is they, they see all kinds of authors that are, are fascinating. And, yeah. um, yeah. I, I was going to go on, Calvin. No, I, I'm just, I'm really just reiterating what you're saying. It, 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 the, the festival really is what PW does. I mean, it really covered, it covered the big books. It covered some mid-tier books as well. Yeah. Uh, authors were available. It was live streamed. And in fact, it's all going to be archived. And if you've registered for it, you can return to the site and go through, because all of the panels and all the talks yeah. were, were but recorded. I, I think what was most important for me mm-hmm. was that a lot of people, at least on the comics day, and you know, as you know, we did a giveaway of some passes for it. So oh yes. Listeners, mm-hmm. you could take advantage of it. And you know, uh, there were some other giveaways, but you know, people did pay to register. But to me, what was really cool was just people came to hang out and schmooze. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. And they uh, sure did. They sure did. I mean, I was talking to Sven Larson from Marvel. He was there mm-hmm. just to hang out and connect with people. Yeah. You know, Jana Morishima yeah. was there to hang out. Um, Anjali Singh, uh, yeah. you know, the editor who brought Mary Jane Satrapi to us. Now she's a literary agent. She's had a bunch of big books uh, that she's working on. She, he, she was there. Uh, there was networking going it was, on. and It, it was a 100% networking. And, yes. you know, I, I, I said uh, that is really what brings people back to an event. Yes. Did they have a good time? Did they see their friends? Did they see their colleagues? Did they connect with their colleagues? Yes. And, yes. you know, what yeah. I thought there in the morning. Oh, Not to underestimate the networking aspect. I mean, sometimes people think, why do we have these? Um, business to business or business to fan events and things that aren't as sparkly or fun as, you know, just Comic Con. And part of it is that's how some of the magic happens and some of these creative partnerships yeah. happen. Well, I, I, as I wrote in my story about New York Comic Con for Publishers Weekly last year, you know, a lot of people come to New York Comic Con to do the business they used to do at the BEA, yeah. you know? Yes. And, um, uh, you know, and there was also on, on the day one, there was also concurrent, uh, 
program for the American Association of Literary Agents, AALA. I might have that, the, what it stands for wrong, but it's AALA. And, you know, James Daunt, the head of Barnes and Noble came. Yes, gave a keynote. And there was a lot of great, great programs yes. on that side too. And then there was a, you know, cocktail party. Look, and, everybody and loves the end of day. Yes. Don't forget Librarians Day. There was much yes. discussion and panels focused on uh, the challenges that they're facing yes. under these right wing uh, f- uh, force book <clears throat> book bans. Uh, if it, they um, many of the panelists and moderators brought the topic up during uh, the graphic novel day as well, because this is this is a threat to uh, re- lovers of books and reading everywhere. And so, freedom. Lovers and of freedom. Free, that's right. If, you know, <laughs> so, but very quickly, I just would like to mention that there was a big books of children's next season. So you might want to go to usbookshow.com and see that. I mean, a great panel with Ryan Estrada and, uh, George O'Connor, uh, and also the adult big books panel with, uh, great books. Uh, Maddie Lubachinsky's book looks really interesting. Boys Weekend, uh, Jillian Tamaki. Uh, and her new uh, graphic novel, Roaming, that's coming in the fall. James Tinian. So really good stuff. Um, uh, and I mentioned um, the panel that Heidi uh, moderated. Yes, which wasn't quite as cool as Skyping with Oscar Isaac, but it was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> talking to, it was honestly, it was great to see Jeff Smith and Tilly Walden. And, you know, I, I everybody said, oh, Heidi, it was such a great panel. I'm like, you know, you'd have to be a real jerk to mess up a panel with those two because they're so charming and smart and great books and uh it it was just a pleasure to sit up there and talk with them so um yeah you know i listen more u.s book show and look are we going to go back to javits not the u.s book show but (laughs) but i just (laughs) but i you know i i don't know i mean do you think the brooklyn book festival is going to be it's it's just baffling that america can't have a big book show yeah, well, you know, the, the Brooklyn Book Festival is the, the big New York Book Festival right now, and it probably will continue to be for a time. Um, I don't know. Yeah, because, I mean, what PW is doing is trying to create some pale version of a book expo that has mm-hmm. – that presents the books. It's a great, you know, marketing and presentation platform. But you can also do a little networking, you know, because people need to get together. How they're going to do that, that the discussions for next year are starting right now. There, I think Jim Milliot, uh, the editorial director, I think he wrote a piece asking for, you know, suggestions from the, um, you know, what we can do. How can we build on this? Uh, you know, PW isn't read exhibitions. So, mm. yeah, uh, it's going to have to be a gradual thing and PW is going to need partners. So we'll see wh- what the U.S. book show uh becomes but i it's it's coming it'll be another one in some yeah, form next year for sure well maybe at a new uh, location yes and you know i i enjoyed very much the very very tight focus uh on books and authors uh you know i would have liked maybe to see a business program yeah. um because boy is there been a lot of business news mm, last week for sure uh Oh, uh, yeah. So big news. Uh, uh, you know, we've been waiting for this for a long time, but mm. Image announced that they were, uh, leaving Diamond to go with Lunar Distribution for the direct market. And, woof, boy, uh, you know, everybody is like, is Diamond dead? Is Diamond dead? Is Diamond dead? And I talked to a bunch of people and you don't know. I don't think they are. Uh, mm-hmm. Image, you know, they already lost Marvel and DC. 
And yes. now Amp was the biggest uh, client they had. And then they've lost Dark Horse and IDW as well. So, the, you know, now they better be treating Boom and Dynamite, right? But um, <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. I mean, obviously there was a, um, a, a long thread of call and response over the issue that Brian Hips posted on his Facebook page. Um, and, you know, different parts of the industry chimed in. Um, I mean, there does seem to be like a chasm between, I mean, Brian is really sort of, obviously a lot of people are upset that images for the direct market is, uh, now using Lunar, uh, exclusively. They continue to use, uh, Diamond Book Distribution, uh, to distribute their books to the book trade. But, uh, but but they become a wholesaler I, for I, image in the direct yes, market. Yes, you will be able to order di- image books through Diamond as you can Marvel books and Dark, IDW and Dark Horse because they're going to be a wholesaler. But uh, I was sent a screenshot of a comment on a retailer forum from an image employee saying, oh, well, you're sticking with Diamond for books. And uh, that person said, that's right for now. Yeah, and well – you know, we've heard these rumors. I, I've heard so many times over the last two years that Image was going to PRH for sure. And um, I would be shocked if they didn't uh, pull their book distribution and go to PRH. I agree. I agree. So I, agree. I think that shoe is waiting to drop. I think it's the next shoe. But, uh, yes. Now, but so look, let me tell you, I talked to a lot of retailers, a lot of, you know, business Illuminati and comics. And uh, most people uh, think it's fine because they're very unhappy with Diamond. Yes. They're very unhappy with their service. There's How no Diamond? other way to put it. Say people don't leave because they're happy. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, right. like yeah. comics yeah. shops are pretty – and I, I don't mean this in a political way because this is not true politically. But, I mean, as far as attitude toward change in business goes, pretty conservative. They don't yes. make a major change like that. And comic publishing companies also typically hate change. If they are switching distributors <laughs> after Diamond's long history, it's not because Diamond is serving their needs. Yes, that's right. And, wow. uh, you know, the, the Diamond has really been very, very slow to upgrade their services. And um, that, that's the main complaint that I hear uh, well, about it. And there's but also... Shipping rates is a, seems to be a major concern. Yes. And damage, uh, and damage, uh, um, product. Yes. That seems to come now, up over and over again. Correct. Now, that said, I want to say not everybody was 100% thrilled. Brian Hamm is not the only mm-hmm. person who was, who was, you know, not, not excited and jumping for joy. Um, you know, I've heard just, just, uh, just other retailer concerns. Um, you know, you making your minimum at diamond, like you need to have a minimum order to get the discount. So if you, you know, now your order might be smaller there and you might get a smaller discount. And that's, right. you know, that makes selling periodicals very difficult. Um, you know, another concern, I mean, Lunar, we hear they package their books beautifully. Their damages are very low, but yeah. you know, it's, it's supposedly a pretty small operation. And everybody's a little worried about just their infrastructure um, their building up. Scale. Their ability to scale. Um, now, I think this was taken into account, but, you know, just, you know, Christina Merkler, who's the co-owner of Lunar, uh, you know, she was at um, New York Comic Con on a panel at uh, Milton Greeps, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. 
And, yeah, you know, she tells the story. I, I, I did a panel with her as well. She tells the story. Uh, you know, she wasn't planning to do this. Yeah. And then DC came to her or, or and you know, and said, uh, can you do our periodical distribution after Diamond shut down? And she was like, OK, we'll give it a shot. And, um, you know, so, I mean, this is a huge leap for them. But, I mean, obviously they want to be in the business or they wouldn't yeah. be doing it. And they seem but, to be doing a good job or at least a better job. Than yes. Diamond. But, uh, you know, I just, uh, you know, Diamond did have a, a huge infrastructure. You know, they owned two, mm. two, owned two giant warehouses, you right. know, and had, you know, you can go on their site and see photos of, like, boxes on conveyor belts that looks yes. like a scene from Toy Story 2, you know. and um so, uh, you know, don't count, I, I guess, you know, don't count Diamond out, number one. I think they've been uh, diversifying so that they will survive. And um, so we, we talked about this a little bit, Heidi, and I think you mentioned, I mean, one of the other things that, that, that Brian um, is really a deal breaker for him uh, with Lunar is it's having, uh, I mean, Lunar has another unit that's a, an online retailer. So, yes. they're, you know, obviously that was their main business. Was it DCBS? Well, they sell new comics at a 50% discount, so it's pretty steep. So I can understand yeah. why. And I, like I said, I've heard other retailers be concerned about it as well. And so, uh, but, you know, at the same time, Lunar would be selling these, you know, was selling these books at a 50% discount before right. they started yeah. distributing DC and uh, the other companies that they do, now Image. And they'll be doing it after. So it really isn't, I don't know. I mean, look, I like Christina Rivera. I've talked to her several times. I've met sure. her. I've done panels. I, sure. I do think she's a real pragmatic businesswoman, very smart. And I don't think she's trying to kill Brian Hems. I really don't. Yeah, I don't, I really don't either. So, but it's very interesting. I mean, one of the other discussions that comes out of that, the Brian's head, I mean, I mean, uh, comics, Comic shop retailers, they, they always complain about Diamond being a monopoly. But now it's interesting. Now that there is competition in the distribution space, they don't seem to like that either. You know, <laughs> it's too much work. They're having multiple distributors. So they're, they're not complaining that the competition makes too much work. So there are kind of contradictory impulses, it seems. And I think you also, I mean, uh, is there some sense that there was maybe a sort of generational divide, maybe some of the younger retailers? Uh, I, I, I think, think we were so. talking, I, Yeah, I think so, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think it's all, I think it's all healthy. I mean, I think even for Brian Hamm, yes, you know, I, I, met, I was talking about how we were hanging yes. out. Um, you know, he's a lot less ornery in person than he is online. And, um, <laughs> y you know, I think people, uh, I personally think all this change and evolution is ultimately makes the people stronger. You know, as Jen Haynes, the president of Comics Pro said mm -hmm. in her address, um, you know, comics retailers are smart and they're strong. And guess what? They've survived mm -hmm. all of that. They've survived so much. They survived Diamond yeah. shutting down and not giving them any product for like months. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. remember those days. So anyway. Uh, I think people like to complain. I think there are some valid concerns on both <laughs> sides of it, but yeah. uh, comics will yeah. go on. Yeah, and and Eric Larson did go up, uh, jump on that thread, and you know, offered yeah. up the company side a little bit. So yeah, he said, "I can't say go. anything, but we have reasons. We have yes. reasons." Yeah, you know, listen. When I was at 
I think I mentioned this about when I went to Seattle. You know, there, the looter had a breakfast. I went to, and who was sitting there? Eric Stevenson, Matt Parkinson, and Alex Cox. The entire yeah. business unit for Image. And you know, yeah. this very public show of being at this breakfast, you know. And then everybody's like, well, they were meeting with them to go to Lunar. And I was like, did they really? I mean, I, I mean, it was pretty obvious that's, you know, I mean, it was. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's. Yeah, it was a very, you know, it's the equivalent of the horse's head in the bed, man. You know, set a strong message. <laughs> yeah, so, but I, I agree with you, Heidi. This is, I mean, as this this uh this channel is going through changes right now but i just think that you know retailers are going to learn to deal with the new landscape you know we'll yeah. see easy for me to say but you know uh comics ain't going anywhere and, co- and, and and comic shops are not going anywhere so i think they're going to adapt uh well a uh, new publisher calvin or new yeah inter- yeah you know i had a kind of uh Heard rumblings of this a while back, um, but it looks like it's finally uh, it's happened. They've launched it, Ten Speech Press, which um, I, you know, I noticed a couple of years ago prior to my retirement and stuff that a lot of really kind of significant comics works were coming out of Ten Speed Press, which is an imprint of uh, Penguin Random House, uh, and it seemed to be uh, it seemed to be at early on to be nonfiction like biographies uh, and also ad- adaptations of classic literary works. Um, and I'm, unfortunately, right. I, I don't have the names of the books right in front of me, but they, well, they were I, doing some pretty high profile books. Yeah. Uh, Ivanka, I mean, our friend in, from Europe was doing some of the translations in. Well, some uh, yeah, I have, um, I happen to have the article open in front of me. Uh, let's see a, an adaptation of, Watership Down. All right. Uh, uh, adaptation of George R. Vo- Voyaging by George R. R. Martin and Raya Golden. Uh, Nora Krug's mm. Diaries of War. Nora Krug, very uh, decorated cartoonist. Tom Scioli's oh, yes, that's, yeah. graphic biography of Stan Lee. I am Stan. And Julio Anton Yasmin Flores Montañas. Si, si puede. The Latino heroes who changed the United States. And then coming up, this is a very eclectic list. Uh, graphic yeah. memoir. By acclaimed artist IYY, uh, which I definitely yes. to. Uh, yeah, The Hoof Lady by Reservations Dog star Devery Jacobs, a horror collection by YouTube sensation Mr. Ballin, and print editions of the hit webtoon comics Nothing Special by Katie Cook, The Strange Tales of Oscar Jean by Tree Wong, and Sweet Home by Carnby Kim and Young Chan Huang. Uh, so wow, eclectic and very, very much, uh, very, uh, relevant. Yeah. And I think they're also, um, doing a really big book, uh, that's coming out in the, actually, I think it's coming out in June. It's a graphic adaptation of Ingram X. Kendi's, uh, national book award winning, uh, prose nonfiction book. Stamp from the beginning, a history of racist ideas in America. Won the National Book Award. Uh, he's a fabulous guy. You might also know the book, uh, book How Not to Be a Racist. And he's got a variety of books out around, uh, his, his study into racism in the country. And he's adapted his book, uh, in partnership with Joel Christian Gill, uh, who you may know from doing various volumes of graphic history about 
little known uh, figures in black history in America. So that's a huge book. It's going to get a lot of attention and um, coming from 10 Speed Press. So the new 10 Speed Press graphic uh, imprint. Yeah, boy, a lot, a lot going on there. Coming up. Yeah. So looking at Nora Crook should be interesting, too. She didn't she win a Pulitzer for graphic biography. This thing about her, uh, her memoir is a because uh, she's German and it looked back in her family. Anyway, great book. Yes. More she to come run. Yes. Uh, her, uh, so, yeah, some other some other publishing news. Kate, you got anything there? Well, we do. Um, so it's a bunch of, uh, my interests suddenly becoming relevant to each other. Um, Colleen Duran is announced to be doing an, a graphic novel adaptation of the novel Good Omens, which has also been adapted into a television series a couple of years ago. The original novel is by Neil Gaiman and the late Terry Pratchett. And the adaptation will be by Neil Gaiman and Colleen Duran. And uh, there's a Kickstarter coming out this summer. So that's really uh, something to look mm-hmm. forward to. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So and Colleen has done a number of books with, with Neil Gaiman. Excuse me. Yes. So but I did see some kvetching about the Kickstarter nature of that. But, uh, you know, people will kvetch. So, um, you know, get with the program. Well, speaking of Kickstarter, though, uh, they have a new head of comics because Oriana Lecker has, you know, moved aside to uh, run the book, to concentrate on the book issue. So uh, they mm-hmm. hired... Interestingly enough, they hired Bryce Gold, who was uh, previously running the um, uh, Comicsology's new new uh, new project. Yeah, uh, so head of content Original. or something. Yes, he was yeah. the head of content at Comicsology. So you know, we mm-hmm. know Comicsology has been dwindling away and being absorbed by um, by. Amazon. Uh, however, the originals line was kind of limping along and uh, Bryce Gold was the guy running it. So, uh, but he's ankled that for a more promising life, a job with life at Kickstarter. So uh, I, I, I think, I, I don't know him well, but I hear good things. Everybody seems yeah. to like him. So uh, I do know, as with every time the Kickstarter job comes up, everybody and her brother applied for the job and i know that cause people are always like can i put you down as a reference for this and i'm like yeah sure i mean you know <laughs> you and every other dick and jane out there but anyway well, the, way, Bryce, the you- way kickstarter has transformed the ability of independent artists to produce their own work i mean it's kind of an important job you know you're really uh, impacting a lot of people because you're really- i mean the job seems to be to help people use kickstarter uh, best practices how to really exploit it well well, I think a lot of people think the job is you get to be the kingmaker. You know, you get to be like, oh, Neil Gaiman and Colleen Doran, uh, yeah. wonderful. Come, come and you know, bring that project over here. Uh, and you know, the, but it isn't. It, no, it's, really it's not that more, at all. No, it's really more a liaison to help mm-hmm. people yeah. make the most of their campaigns and also promotion. I mean, I've yeah. seen uh, who was. Who was it who was before Oriana? Well, Camilla. Camilla ran it. And then there was, um. Trey, Camilla Zang. And then, and then there was, um, uh, what's her name? Who's moved on to the, uh, Margot. Margot. Yeah. Um, uh, 
Sorry, Margot, because she's moved on to the feminist path. She's running the yes. feminist press. Well, um, anyway, every time I I'm saw sorry, Margot. <laughs> yeah, one every time I saw one of them speak. She did a great job. She did. She really did. She kind of, you know, established it. But every time I saw any one of those people speak, Margo it was Atwell. always uh, Margaret. Yes, of course. Um, yes, she uh, was terrific. She really um, started out and yeah. um, shaped the how Kickstarter worked with comics. And then um, then Camilla Zane came on and then the, the other. And, and now she's running. Margot's actually now running the feminist press. And they have actually started to incorporate crowdfunding surprise surprise into the launch of some of their titles so yes and but i was going to say well, every time i see them speak their their talks are really just about here's how kickstarter works and yeah. you know they're very mm-hmm. much uh apostles you know apostles yeah. so it's very much you know it, it's a hard job i mean it's it's a hard working job you know you, you got to be a marketing it's about marketing the services and everything it's not yeah not so much the the uh you know i guess people really want to apply because it's probably the only tech job that's really in comics the comics job that mm. pays a tech salary but um anyway congratulations to bryce yeah the darby yeah um so. So, but other things happened. So, all right. So there was also a lot of sad stuff going on over the last couple of weeks. So number one, un, not unexpected, but the nib is ending. Uh, creator oh, Matt yeah. Moore is announced. Now the nib was a online political comics, uh, political cartooning outlet. And, you know, it launched on Medium, uh, which is one of those techie startupy platformy things. And, you know, they paid for it for a while. So for, uh, Calvin and Kate, I'm sure you remember, there was a time when the, the cartoonists were getting paid. Yeah. Remember, remember that? Uh, yeah, awesome. absolutely. And then they withdrew funding. And then I believe they found some other platform that they were on for a while. Um, I know Matt was very resourceful about it, but then that mm-hmm. source of funding also dried up. And then it was self you know, like subscription. I mean, I, I subscribed. It was only $5. Yeah, had, How are you not going to freaking too. pay five bucks for all these great cartoonists? And, but it just became harder and harder. It's and tough. Harder. Editorial cartooning, editorial comics, um, comics. It's a, t- you know, it's just a tough financial, um, infrastructure. Well, nobody wants to support it. And, yeah. you know, that just ties into, um, the next story on our list, which is that uh, this looks like CBR, Comic Book Resources, has well, they fired just a whole bunch of staff, including the editor in chief and uh, also including just really uh, Steve Gerd Gerling, who was really uh, I'm probably saying his last name wrong, so I should look it up. Uh, but very, very well regarded. And uh, they said, oh, you know, we're neat culture at CBR. Now I've been talking, I've been trying, I am traveling this week, folks. That's why you might, I sound a little discombobulated. So, uh, I've been traveling and offline for a bit and I've been wanting to write a story about this. I haven't been, people have been, well, you know, piling into my DMs, giving me information. So I am going to write it up, but just they are talking about, um, I mean, everybody does not like Valnet. Valnet is the, the mm-hmm. parent company of, CBR, Screen Rant, a lot of gaming sites. They own a lot of uh, sites, and they're very cheap. I mean, they don't pay more than ten or fifteen dollars per story. And apparently, mm. 
the reason I'm just hearing the reason why these folks were let go was because they were pushing back against new initiatives to have the writers work, uh, you know, work shorter hours, turn out more content and get paid less. Wow. So it's bad. And, you know, it just to me reeks of a pivot to AI. Yeah, it sure does. So really sad to hear. Um, yeah. And, but I, I mean, look, I'll tell you, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest. You know, I guess like all of us, we fooled around with AI and, you know, I one time told AI to, I said, what happens if you rewrite this press release? I got to be honest. It did a very good job. You know, mm-hmm. it did a better job than I could have done, but you know, just <laughs> well, because that's unfortunate to hear. But <laughs> well, I mean, it did it just because I write my style and I've right. been doing this for so long and it just did it in a different, you know, right. it, mm-hmm. it actually was, it was just very funny. And I was like, Oh my God, this is a dangerous tool, you know, <laughs> so I haven't used it at all. Listeners, I have not used it despite how easy it would be, you know, for a chronically underfunded site like the beat to do it. I didn't do yeah. it because it's just the wrong thing to do. Um, I think that there are things that AI can do, and there are things that I deeply suspect that AI cannot. I've heard what AI can do described in some ways as quote-unquote email jobs. Mm-hmm. And I feel like press releases kind of maybe fall under email jobs. Mm-hmm. But so much of the creative field doesn't. You know, I mean, one thing that comes up again and again and again over the years when it's like, why is this publisher doing better this year than that year? Why is manga having a good year or a bad year? Why is this? And it usually a chunk of it, despite all the other market forces, a chunk of it comes down to the quality of the material. Yep. And there's a brain behind that. Maybe someday in some unimaginable future, it will be like chess and computers will turn out to be better than us at, at everything, including the creative parts of the business. But today is not that day. Mm. And anyone mm. who thinks that they can cheap out on the things that need a person behind it, need a mind behind it to do a good job of editing, do a good job of working with people, do a good job of writing, of drawing, of that kind of thing. That's that's not going to be an AI in the end for a high quality work. And quality is where the money comes from. I mean, other things are part of it, but quality is yeah. needed too. But the email jobs, yeah, the email jobs may may end up AIified. But well, I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that AI can do for us, yeah. you know, and I think it is like we already use we already use AI for a lot of things. You know, I use it for transcription, you know, mm. transcribing interviews, it's right. an AI program um, and just a lot of the things that we automate. That's essentially a very crude AI. This is better AI. But, you know, listen, I just to bring it back around to to CBR specifically. I mean, I just, you know, Valnet is. um uh, Hi. Hello. Heidi, I can't hear Hello. you. Hey, you dropped out, okay. Heidi. You dropped out, Heidi. Re- okay. I go did back not do anything about Valnet. Can you, um, you want to repeat can it? You hear me? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. 
um, you know, listen, Valnet isn't a great company, but it just, it just brings home again, just, it's really hard to make money to get, you know, it's really hard to get paid to write about comic books. And, um, I mean, we've just seen so many, you know, it wasn't on the story list, but, you know, Solrad, which is a small company, nonprofit Mm. that, that runs a website that has, you know, real indie comics, art comics, literary comics, reviews, features, and also publishes some yeah. uh, some art comics. The and Field Mouse Press is a part of it. Field Mouse Press is mm-hmm. uh, their kind of sister companies, and uh, you know they announced that they were going on hiatus. You know, mm. uh, panel by panel, the um, the um, uh, you know Graph Eisner Award winning, uh, well certainly nominated, um, you know kind of PDF magazine is going on hiatus. And mm. uh, listen, I phew, I can just go on. I can do a whole podcast about trying to keep the beat going and uh, how financially unrewarding it is. So, yeah, I don't know. It's very bad. It's just really, really sad. Yeah, and it's, tough. Um, it's very tough. And, you know, Calvin, long be- I mean, before there was the podcast, you and I did the newsletter. What was it yeah, called? We did, didn't, it have yeah. a, what, didn't it have a s- s- snappy name? Uh, you're talking about uh, Comics Week? <laughs> yes, Comics we, Week. I guess we did Comics were, Week. Sure. You're right. That's what we we came up with. It was the original PW Comics Week, and you know, it and was it, it was a long time ago. That was like then it became comics. It became Comics World, I think, when it went yes. it went go went monthly or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and then um, it, it evolved into to include this podcast. It's where right. the podcast came from. So, but, um, yeah, you know, I mean, there was that brief period when we were running. Um, Brand new content every week. And every week, and had and had the advertising to support. Yeah. Uh, now I continue to edit the fanatic, which is you know a very different kind of thing, and and really it's it's more of a that new it's more of a newsletter to show off other content uh, that's published by PW with the some occasional original reporting, but not quite the same. But once again, I mean that newsletter we has plenty of advertising. Yeah. Um, but I mean it's, it's not support. it's. It, but it's not as dependent on uh, original content. I mean, no, I know it has not. original content every week, but it's yeah, not but like, it's you not, know, we were it, doing four or five. I mean, God, that yeah. was a lot of work. Too, no, it was not. I, when you think about what we did, because we did it every week. We put that out and, every uh, week for our years. Yes, and we bought on all the current people who write about comics. Chris Arendt, yes. who said yes. original of, reporting. Of Popverse was one of our writers. Bridget Alverson, yes. Debbie Absolutely. Oki, everybody, Ty everybody. John, Laura, Absolutely. Laura Hudson. Uh, uh, I did I a bestseller list once a month um, that brought in, you know, uh, all all across all the genres in mm-hmm. book yep. format yep. comics. That's right. So, uh, but anyway, that was awesome that we did that, but it didn't pay. Yes. It <laughs> it's not here now. It. Yeah. It's <laughs> not here now because it, it didn't make enough money. So. So, yeah. Yeah. Like the, the fanatic is very different. It's nothing like what we did with uh, PW Comics Week, which mm-hmm. was uh, weekly, if not daily reporting, mm-hmm. uh, original stories, interviews and fairly in-depth interviews, too. Um, yeah. Well, so, you know, you know, it's been suggested, uh, you know, our schedule's been a little ragged and, uh, Kate suggested that maybe next time we have to do a fill in episode that we just do Calvin and I reminiscing. So let's save the rest of our PW Comics Week memories because I got a we'll lot. Do that. Yes, we our, do. For our we'll have, memory lane episode. That's so a new show. That will be a forthcoming show. We got to do that as a bank show because, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
All right. But anyway, yeah, it's hard to do that. So. So. All right. So let's shake it over in the manga world, Kate. Well, I mean, speaking of making things pay, um, there has always been since the beginning of high speed internet, a, uh, strong market, shall we say, in pirated manga and pirated anime. And in recent years, um, there's been an effort to crack down on that. Well, there's a, it's been a little, uh, two steps forward, one step back. <laughs> This week for the um, forces manga piracy because they they decided to go to Cloudflare. Now Cloudflare is well nigh on almost almost a monopoly for the kind of web services they do. Heidi, I I, I will admit this. I think you're a little more knowledgeable about precisely. Which important web services Cloudflare so, provides? So Cloud, okay. So Cloudflare is a caching system. Okay, it is not a platform. Yeah, Cloudflare is part of the essential infrastructure of the internet. Um, a lot of websites run on, including the Beat. And what it is 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 like a caching system. I mean, I it does. My feeble mind doesn't understand how you can make money doing this because it's free. But uh, they essentially route uh, a lot of the internet through it and uh, they held a cached version so that when you go to the beat or publishers weekly uh, you get the cached version instead of a live version so it saves bandwidth uh, it saves server hmm. speed it just makes everything go faster okay, okay. And they have a whole bunch of plugins and things that you can do that speed things up that have um, content delivery networks it's essentially a content delivery network okay hmm. but it's not in any ways shape or form a platform mm-hmm. that ch- chooses content okay so uh, it's like amazon web services although that's a host cloudflare is not a host mm. it is a service mm. that it's it's as if i think what this is saying is like uh it, they if piracy was delivering a package to your mailbox okay this would be instead of shutting down the pirate who was making the pirated you know anime let's say they were delivering say they're delivering a cd of a pirated anime to your mailbox instead of going to the company that made the cd it would be like hey post office you need to stop delivering that mail yeah but what's happening is not just that they're telling cloudflare stop serving these websites. They're telling Cloudflare to hand over some very important information which they have. And they're not just telling them, they have a subpoena. So they are asking for the personal details of the owners of some of the top piracy sites on the web, hmm. including addresses, contact numbers, email IDs, payment details, hosting details, IP details, bunch of things. But here's here's the problem. They um they made this notice public and they didn't black out for the public version the name of the top ten piracy sites that they want people to <laughs> take it down or the 
exact web address of the top 10 piracy sites that they mm. would like Cloudflare uh, to take down and, and stop serving. Mm-hmm. So basically, apparently, if you went to the original version of their letter to Cloudflare that they posted on their website, that is to say, the Japanese Agency of Cultural Affairs, which is the Japan's big manga pirate hunters at the moment. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a manga. The pirate yeah, hunters. <laughs> if, yeah. If, if, well, if you went to their website and you just hovered your mouse over <laughs> the blacked out websites, it would tell you exactly their address. So if you wanted to know, um, <laughs> the names of some of these are Manga Zip, Hex Upload, 13DL, and more. Um, yeah. So, but don't use them. Don't. Well, I didn't give you the full address, and you can't Google them because Google won't let you. There you but go. Right. Suffice to say, um, they they probably didn't want to be publicizing the people they were trying to take. They're trying to shut down. Yeah. Uh, but there was also a, a new player on the app scene, correct? Oh well, it's not really here yet. There will be a new player on the app scene next year. So, because Viz and Kodansha have announced their Webtoon platforms and have opened their Webtoon platforms to the public already, Shueisha, I guess, wanted to get in on the game, even if they are a little late, and made an announcement that they're totally going to have their own webtoon app uh, sometime next year. Well, you they, they can't be ignored. No, but I, I just meant, like, it, it's it's uh it's very Oh yeah, I, I'm doing that also. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we have a webcomic. So yeah. Exactly how far it's been thought out or how soon it's coming out. Very much more to come on that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I know Kate mentioned, uh, the Good Omens book by Colleen Doran, but we had a couple of other little bookie news things that I thought were cool. Uh, and cause we, you know, I think we should talk about cool books that are coming up. And one of them is, if I can find it. Yes. Uh, that there's a new book coming in the fall from Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Uh, called the, where the body was. And it's from image as all their books are. Uh, the murder mystery follows the ripples that echo through decades of love and loss and passion and violence after one fateful killing. And, you know, I wanted to shout it out because Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips have been working together on comics for more than 20 years. And they, you know, they've started, you know, they did criminal, uh, fatal. They did so many series together. And now they're doing like these kind of standalone graphic novels. Like they're doing a couple of them a year. They're very prolific. And I just, you know, it's a shout out really to some just high quality creators who are turning out really good books. But just keep on doing it. You know, they're, they're a great team. It's, it's a great to have good comics coming out regularly like that mm-hmm. and to be supported by the market. Very cool. And, um, Following on that line of thought, uh, I'd like to just to just to give um, throw some attention at a new book coming from David Chisholm. 
If you don't remember, he's also he's this unicorn figure. Um, he did a book a couple of years ago called um, Chasing the Bird, Charlie Parker in California, which is one of the most I saw thoughtful and sensitive uh, graphic biographies of the great uh, jazz instrumentalist and composer Charlie Parker. Uh, it was published by Z2 Comics and done in uh, working along with the estate of Charlie Parker. Uh, this is no small accomplishment. Well, he has now announced that he is uh, going to be publishing Miles Davis and the Search for the Sound uh, by Dave Chisholm. It's going to be published by Z2 uh, Comics in um, September. Uh, this is very exciting. Obviously, uh, along with Charlie Parker, Miles Davis is one of the giants of 20th century American music, jazz. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Dave is a unique figure. He is, he has a PhD in jazz trumpet. He is a professional trumpeter. Uh, he is an, uh, an acclaimed cartoonist. It's really kind of amazing that he, any, you know, besides all this, any teaches. So it's really kind of extraordinary. Uh, he was, if he was born to do this. So check it out. Uh, Miles Davis and the Search for the Sound, a graphic biography of the great Miles Davis by Dave right. Chisholm, coming out from Z2 in, in uh, September. Oh, from Z2, yes. Yeah. I believe the Charlie Parker book was Eisner nominated also. So, yes, uh, yeah. Yeah. we got a lot, was, quite yeah. a bit of, quite a bit yes. of acclaim. You know, speaking of Eisner's, we didn't have this on our story list, but listeners, just in case you missed out on the news, uh, you know, our big topic last time was the big foofaw over Francis Rothbart by Thomas oh, Woodruff. Yes. The SVA, uh, former head of the SVA's illustration cartooning department. And, uh, just over the weekend, last weekend, he did, uh, Wood, Woodruff put out a statement saying he was withdrawing his mm -hmm. book from Eisner consideration. Yeah. And, uh, the Eisner, uh, folks said that they couldn't take it off the ballot, but they would not count any votes for it. So, uh, but I will say Woodruff was defiant. To the last mm -hmm. in his statement, he did not go gently into the good night, but I mean, he realized that this was a losing proposition. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate. And, yes. You know, and also I'm just throwing this out there as a topic that we should talk about sometime. But, you know, when Kate mentioned anime, it flashed into my mind and uh, just going back to the U.S. book show. Uh, you know, anime are so faithful to the manga, I guess because the creators have such great contracts. But, you know, when they when they adapt them, they adapt them just panel for panel. Right. So I was talking to Jeff Smith before. Not always. Yeah. Yes. OK, not always. Well, not I, always. Yeah. This is why we should talk more about it, because I mm -hmm. was talking to Jeff, you know, a, no bone cartoon. They've tried to do a bone movie for years. And he says, and Jeff says, you know, every time I sit down with a studio and he sat down with every studio multiple times. The first thing they say is, here's what we need to change about bone. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunate, yeah, <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing is what you Yeah, need don't to change, change it. Let ball. Jeff Smith tell you what to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Think about like Death Note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but also think about Death Note. Uh. Because while its uh, animated adaptation was quite faithful, its live action and uh, adaptations, even the ones in Japan, were less so. Ah, there you go. See, so I guess what it's done for with real people, it has to be changed. Yeah, it tends they tend to get changed more when they're with real people, and they also tend to get changed more when the studio just 
really wants it to be longer so they can continue to mint money. (laughs) So what they'll do is, even though the characters will look the same, because the fans will riot if the characters don't look the same, the studio will be like, well, we want it to be way longer than your manga. So we're going to inflate it with a whole bunch of other stuff in between whatever else you've done. And even if it makes no sense for them to have a fan service bathing suit episode at the beach in, in the <laughs> Japanese Middle Ages, we will give you a fan service bathing suit, you know, That's episode yes. at the beach Spirit. in the middle yes. of the Middle Ages. Because the customer is always right. <laughs> well, because the boss who wants more episodes is always right. There yeah. You go. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Whereas, with the, so there's definitely some degree of artistic license that occurs, especially <laughs> yeah. if, say, you've gotten two books into the manga and they've decided to adapt it already. And so they just make up their own ending. They don't even ask oh, you what you think yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. But, but in America, it is worse because in America, they won't even keep the character designs the same. They won't even keep the character names the same. They won't even keep the general outline of the plot the same. And I love Disney very much. I really do. But I do kind of wonder whether Disney's place in America's animation pantheon. And Disney has this long history of doing things like giving the Hunchback of Notre Dame a happy ending. <laughs> um, yeah. Or um making the Little Mermaid marry the prince at the end. And so I feel like that has set the pattern for animated adaptations in the United States. Yeah. Fidelity yeah. to the original source. What is that? Well, yeah, I can't wait to see the Nimona movie, which is actually coming out because that yeah. is a real trope buster. So, yeah, I'm That's really glad that it's been saved from development hell. Oh, yeah. That and, is and I'm not a going to, yeah, I'm not going to say that nothing from an American studio will ever be um, faithful to the source. But it's very much the exception and not the rule. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, well, I'm sure there'll be more adaptations because as this well proves, graphic mm. novels are not yeah. going anywhere. Nope. And so, uh, I guess that's it for this week, guys. What yeah. do you think? I, yeah, I think so. Um, you know what that means? That there will be more to come. He has the squeaky mouse. I'm sorry. Okay. You can have the mouse back later. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a good cat.